0: Good morning, Church. A happy Easter to everyone. Christ is reason. And you say, He is reason indeed. Now, we are going to do this Easter proclamation at the end of the service on Zoom. You would have received the ID to enable you to do that. So please get connected on Zoom after the service. Uh, We will sing a song together. Do the Easter shout three times and end with the benediction. Hope you can join in and be an encouragement to everyone. It had been an amazing week, 2,000 years ago. What began as a victory parade for Jesus on a Sunday had ended up in tragedy by Friday. Jesus' disciples had hoped that he would establish God's kingdom of peace and righteousness. But it was not to be their hope was shattered the religious authorities schemed and had jesus crucified on friday it was a great letdown for the disciples they went into hiding unsure what would happen next it is now sunday morning the third day since jesus was crucified there is an unsettling rumor some women have found Jesus' tomb empty. Did grave robbers steal Jesus' body during the night? Or has the impossible happened? Could Jesus really have risen from the dead, just as he said he would on the third day? But if Jesus has risen from the dead, why hasn't he appeared to the apostles? Confused and unable to fully process what is happening, two of Jesus' disciples decide to return to Emmaus, a village 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. As they travel home, they have a most surprising encounter with a stranger. When they invite the stranger home for a meal, the penny drops. Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. Their sorrow turns into unspeakable joy. Now let Luke the historian and physician tell us the story in his own words. Please turn with me to the gospel according to Luke the last chapter uh, chapter 24 and let me read let me read from verse 13 through to verse 27. Now on that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about 7 miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? they stood still their faces downcast one of them named cleopas asked him are you the only visiting jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days what things he asked about jesus of nazareth they replied he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before god and all the people that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So it is true, the resurrection of Jesus is real. And in this passage, Luke tells us that there are two streams of evidence. The first is the historical stream consisting of eyewitnesses' accounts. The second is the scriptural stream consisting of Old Testament prophecies about Jesus' death and resurrection. Let us look first at the historical stream of eyewitnesses accounts. Now Luke and the other Gospel writers tell us that over a period of 40 days, the resurrected Jesus would appear to individuals as well as to groups one group as large as 500 people. Now, he appeared to the apostles as well, and he appeared to them more than once. And Jesus' appearance was not in a ghostly uh, form. It was in a physical, bodily form. The apostles could touch him, and they ate with him. Yet, Jesus could appear behind closed doors he showed up when they were not expecting him, and he disappeared as suddenly as he appeared. Now, this, of course, raises the question, could the disciples have made up the resurrection story? Well, if they had fabricated the resurrection, it would be hard to explain why they were willing to die for their faith. Moreover, the lives of the disciples were transformed they were transformed to be like Jesus and Jesus promised them that one day they too would have resurrection bodies of their own now we will speak more about the resurrection bodies in a moment but let us now look at the scriptural evidence for Jesus resurrection Jesus told the two travelers that the old testament Points to his death and resurrection. Verse 27 reads, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So let's begin with Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis. Now Genesis chapter 3 explains why the world is not the way it is supposed to be. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. With sin came corruption, disease, decay, and finally death. Death is the final punishment for sin. All that is wrong and broken in this world can be traced back to that moment of our first parents' disobedience. And behind their disobedience was the serpent, that had deceived them. But God promised redemption. God will restore and renew this broken world through a serpent crusher. The serpent crusher who will undo the work of sin and death. And so in Genesis 3.15, we hear of God cursing the serpent with these words. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now by striking at the heel, the serpent hopes to kill the serpent crusher. But the serpent crusher will emerge victorious over death and over the serpent. Now who is this serpent crusher? Moses does not tell us. So we will go to the writings of the prophets. Now, several prophets in the Old Testament do make references to God renewing the world. In particular, the prophet Isaiah, who lived about 700 years before Jesus, he prophesied that in the future, there will appear two figures. The first is the Messiah, God's chosen king. The Messiah will come to establish God's rule and God's kingdom forever. And so we read in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom from that time on and forever. Now to rule God's kingdom forever, the Messiah must somehow overcome death. Now, The second figure that Isaiah prophesied of is the servant of the Lord. This servant will be a sin-bearer. By his death, he will suffer the punishment for human sin. But he will not remain dead. He will rise again. And by his resurrection, he will save people from God's judgment. So we read this in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 11 After he has suffered he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities So the Old Testament tells us that in the future we are to expect three figures a serpent crusher, the Messiah, and a sin-bearer. They will all overcome death to play their part to restore this world broken by sin. I guess here we have a 64 dollar question. Are we to expect the serpent crusher, the Messiah, and the sin-bearer to be three different persons? Or are these three figures describing one and the same person? Well, the two travelers to Emmaus were slow to join the dots. But we today have the benefit of hindsight. On Palm Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem as the Messiah to save his people from their sins. Then on Good Friday, the serpent struck Jesus' heel. Jesus went to the cross as sin-bearer, suffering the punishment for human sins. Now on this happy Easter Sunday morning, Jesus overcomes death, just as He said he would. Jesus crushes the serpent's head. Sin loses its sting. Death is vanquished and we have much to celebrate. Our sorrow is turned to joy, our plea to song of praise. Hallelujah! The resurrection of Jesus is real, and this has three implications for us today. First, this broken world will finally be fixed. There will be a new world when Jesus comes again. Jesus' death and resurrection not only saves mankind from their sins, but it also restores the entire creation from the effects of sin and death. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation is groaning as in childbirth to be redeemed from its bondage to decay and corruption. And we thank God, nature will not be disappointed. The resurrection of Jesus redeems both humanity and the entire physical world. All that is broken will be mended, all that is wrong will be made right, all that is evil will be destroyed. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more tears, no more pain. Instead, there will be love, joy, righteousness, and eternal pleasures in God's presence. Now You will notice that the Bible begins its pages with God creating the heavens and the earth. And it ends with God creating a new heaven and a new earth. And this ending is made possible only by the resurrection of Jesus. So the first implication of Jesus' resurrection for us is this that there will be a new creation. Now, the second implication for us is this. The dead will live again. All who believe in Jesus will also rise from the dead in a physical body like Jesus' resurrection body. Now, ancient Greek and Eastern religions see the physical body as evil and the spirit as good. So the idea of a bodily resurrection is foreign to them and foolish. To come back to life in a physical body is spiritual regression according to them. But the Bible teaches us that human life is, a, is body and spirit or, bo- or soul. Now the Bible uses uh, spirit and soul interchangeably. Now, death may cause a separation, a temporary separation of body and soul. However, in the new creation, body and soul will be reunified as God intends it to be. Now, we won't exist as wispy, bodiless spirits floating about in the air. Instead, we will live again in resurrection bodies in a new world this is the eternal life that has been promised to us which brings us to the third implication of jesus resurrection eternal life does not begin when we die eternal life begins here and now when we believe in jesus the messiah the son of god believers of jesus are therefore citizens of two worlds this present, broken world and the renewed, perfect world that is to come. As citizens of both worlds, we will live in such manners as to permeate this present world with the values of the new world. In the new world, there is no evil, only peace, justice and righteousness. So as we live in this broken world, We will not let evil flourish. We will fight against all forms of evil, including the novel coronavirus. We will be peacemakers, and we will endeavor to establish harmony, justice, and goodwill among all people. We will care for the environment. We will defend human dignity because we are all made in God's image. We will care for the uh, sick. We will protect the weak and the vulnerable. Every effort will be made to share with those in need, especially during this period of lockdown. And in the midst of difficulty and uncertainty, we do not lose hope. Our hope is not in this world. Jesus' resurrection reminds us that our hope is in God who loves us and in him who has conquered death. Because Jesus is alive, we will live again. Therefore, we do not fear this present darkness of the pandemic. Instead, we will be joyful in our hope and patient in our affliction as we wait for the coming of the new world. Friends, if you do not yet know Jesus, I pray you will consider his claims. He is the good news of this broken world. He has come to give us life, and his resurrection proves that we will indeed have life everlasting. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, at this time when disease and death is sweeping across the world, our eyes are on you and on the resurrection of your son Jesus. We thank you that in overcoming death, your son Jesus opened to us the gateway into everlasting life. We pray that by your resurrection power, you will transform us into your holy people to care and love others sacrificially during this difficult time and beyond. Give us the courage and new opportunities to share the resurrection story with our family and friends, so that they too may come to know Jesus and be part of the new creation. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.